I believe that uh, the modern chicken is direct. There is a direct line from uh, T Rex to the modern chicken. Hmm. I may be making that up, but I I've read it. <laughs> it's on the internet, and you can't lie on there. You read it after you wrote it down. Welcome to the Autopod Decepticast, your bi-weekly podcast that delivers an episode-by-episode breakdown of the original G1 series. This is APD episode number 174. Today we're covering... It's not 174. It's I guess it's 175. It's not. What is it? <laughs> it's like 178. Jesus Christ, I need to 175 was ep- episode three of the movie review that Mike and Mike and I did. I've done the math. It is episode number 67 of the Transformers, Five Faces of Darkness, part... Duh. Day two. This is your host, Aaron, and with me are two chaps I love to do the do with. Please introduce yourselves, fellas. I'm, uh, <laughs> do the do is your intro. There's no story. I'm Ryan. Hey, I'm Kill. Beautiful. Guys, how do you feel about the soft drink, Mountain Dew? Um, It's awful. Yeah, it's gross. It is a pretty nasty drink. It it uh, it looks exactly like it tastes. It seems to be like highly addictive. I that people chug on that shit. And obviously, everyone knows this, I think. But it was invented to be a mixer with whiskey. Really, you're getting ahead of it. The drink of choice for '90s extreme sportsmen and gamer edge lords everywhere <laughs> does have an interesting backstory, as Ryan alluded to. It was started in Tennessee by a couple brothers who initially developed it as a mis- as a mixer for whiskey. At the time, Mountain Dew is actually Scott's Irish slang for moonshine. Yes. By the way, early graphics associated with the brand leaned into this by using a cartoon mascot, Willie the Hillbilly. <laughs> oh, God. Who has a jug of moonshine hanging from, from a shoulder strap. He's pointing a rifle at a tax collector by... <laughs> By an outhouse. <laughs> wow, hitting all the the firing in all, all cylinders. The points. Yeah, indeed. How old are we talking here? When did this all go here down? We go. You know, you'd think I would include. Plot, I'm gonna guess the fifties. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna. I guess, think it's earlier. Really? I'm gonna guess sixties. It is a pretty cool bottle. I really. It like, is. I really like the old logo. Let's yeah. settle it. 1940. Oh, Ooh. shit. Wow, something in my old. pocket for you. <laughs> We're going to war. It's going to be the last time America's good. So you had Willie the Hillbilly, the Jug of Moonshine, Tax Collector, Outhouse. The image was featured on packaging signs accompanied by the tagline, It'll Tickle Your Innards, <laughs> spelled Y-O-R-E. The brand changed ownership a couple of times and was eventually acquired by PepsiCo in 1964, mm. who redesigned the logo to appeal to younger outdoorsy folks. Okay. In 2008, <laughs> the logo was redesigned to the Gen X appeal graphic that we basically know today. It's However, terrible. they've edged it up even further. They got rid of a lot of unnecessary letters, so the primary yeah. logo seems to be the letters M-T-N-D-E-W. 
so dumb. Many food additives are controversial to one degree or another, as you would imagine. <laughs> there are a ton of ingredients in Mountain Dew to help get that esoteric, citrusy, undefinable flavor with the electric yellow-green color. Yeah, it's the color of the goo from Ninja Turtles. Tartrazine, or yellow number five, is key to this. Yellow number five carries a warning on food packaging in Europe, but not in the United States. Honestly, studies are mixed on the impact of tartrazine. A tiny amount of people have an allergic intolerance. There is some evidence, though weak, that is linked to ADHD behavior in children. Not the sugar, of course. That's a myth. (laughs) Sugar doesn't cause hyperactivity. But in the 1990s, information began to circulate that yellow number five impacted penis owners, (laughs) some claiming that it shrunk the genitals. But the most pervasive rumor was that it laid waste to sperm count. While some reduced their intake of yellow five based on these rumors, others increased their intake of the dew, believing that it had oh contraceptive properties. And while we can't... That sounds like the logic of someone who drinks Mountain Dew. <laughs> while we can't know with any certainty how serious of a problem this was, at the time it was considered serious enough that a number of university publications, the Wall Street Journal, and even Dear Abby had to chime in and say, don't rely on Mountain Dew for birth control. <laughs> Speaking of ingredients, in 2009, PepsiCo was sued by a Wisconsin man who claimed he had found a dead mouse in his can of Mountain Dew and became violently ill after his first sip. The PepsiCo defense, had the mouse truly been in the can from the time it was bottled to the time the plaintiff consumed it, in this case, 74 days, the mouse would not have existed in the state it was found. By four to seven days, calcium in its bones would be gone. By 30 days, it would be completely disintegrated and would have been transformed into a jelly-like substance. God, it's so (laughs) gross and it's true. The case settled in 2012 for an undisclosed sum. Mountain Dew. Lifetime supply of Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Mountain Dew has its flavor competitors, including Coca-Cola's Mellow Yellow and Surge. Dr. Pepper Snapple has a product called Sundrop. Some fun knockoff brands include Fountain Mist, which I keep misreading as Mountain Fist. (laughs) I love that that name. That documentary. Um, Mountain Drops, Mountain Yellow, Mountain Holler, Hi Fi Thanda Dew, Monsoon Dew, Mountain Showers, (laughs) Mount Chill, (laughs) Mountain Yeller, Country Mist, Moon Mist. Hillbilly Holler, Hee Haw. <laughs> I want Hee Haw. And perhaps the best is Kickapoo Joy Juice. Jesus Christ. Wow. Is that a local one then? Kickapoo I, Joy Juice? No, I don't know. Uh, I believe it's a reference to the native tribe, the Kickapoo yep. Indians. Yes. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. There's a little there, mount, Mountain Dew fact. Can you look up real quick what the Hee Joy Juice is, is racist? Yeah. Uh, anything going on in your all's lives we want to talk about? Uh, hmm. I will say, this is what it reminded me of, this dead mouse. Two things. The dead mouse, so supposedly in the Mountain Dew, uh, reminded me of Stephen King's story, Gray Matter, which is an excellent short story. It's about a guy who uh, drinks a tainted beer and turns into a bacteria monster. It's very good. Um. And that also reminded me of a project while we're on the last episode we talked about being in Gifted and doing projects. Reminds me of a project I did in Gifta, Gifta, Gifted where I took one of the teeth that had recently fallen out of my fucking head because I was a kid, not because I was unhealthy. That came came later. Yep. 
and where I and I I I put it in a glass of Coca Cola for like three weeks. What happened to it? It turned black and dissolved, yep. to like halfway gone. Yep. Uh, well, my life, not, not my much, life. Not much to report. Uh, gearing up, got my first mow in. Oh, I need to do. We're that. recording this in early April, mid-April. Jesus. My goal is not to mow this year. Oh, and I'm sure you will achieve that. That's about it. He just I, eats I, his I, greens. It's green. It's uh, springtime. It's getting the getting the yard going again. I did get a raccoon in my attic. I don't hmm. know if we talked about that, but anyway. Oh yeah, I you didn't say that on air. You did post mm-hmm. on Facebook weeks and weeks ago. You, you knew something was up there, and you just posted a, your finger pointing to the ceiling uh-huh. and saying, "What's in my attic?" Yep. <laughs> no follow up. Lots a, of guesses. Yeah, lots of guesses. It was a raccoon. How did you determine this? It found a way to get into my attic through a, a soffit, and it pushed it up. I screwed it down. It ripped the drywall, the the oh deck screw out of the plywood. I thought, oh, uh, okay. So I laid down a sheet of aluminum, and it knocked. It, it couldn't get through that sheet of aluminum. It knocked a brick loose. Oh my god! And then I thought, okay, this is not a squirrel. These are not mice. But then I hired a professional. They said it was squirrels <laughs> and uh, put some traps up there. It caught nothing. I finally uh, barricaded the two places it was getting in. And then one night uh, it, it started going bananas up there. You could hear it crawling all over the place trying to get out. So I was like, okay, this is a nocturnal. It's probably a raccoon. Uh, I would go up there with a pellet gun, didn't see anything, would leave the attic. It would start making noise again. Went to bed and uh, was brushing my teeth, and my wife said, I think I just heard one of the traps. So I was about to go. I would left my truck out of the garage because I wanted to get up there and that night maybe and see if it, what was in the trap. Started going out of the garage, heard something in the garage, and I God. so I, instead I went outside through the front door, got in my truck, opened the garage door, and there was an enormous raccoon perched on a ladder that was next to my attic door. It was so big, it got on the attic door, the attic door got pushed down, it moved over to the ladder, and then the, the attic door shut behind it. Holy shit. And it was trapped uh, kind of on this ladder, like, what do I do? So I just sat Aww. there, I was like, I'm just going to sit here. It went down the ladder and went off into the night. It hasn't not been back since. I cut down the tree uh, next to the house where it was climbing to get on the the, uh, the roof. And hopefully now no raccoons will figure out how to get on my roof because they're notorious for wanting to get back where they were. And they will actually tear a hole in your, in your, in your roof of your house to get there. Oh, my God. So I got really lucky, though. There was no litter, uh, no scat. No urine, traces of urine, because usually if that stuff gets up there, it it can have it attracts it's, more. It attracts more, and also it, if they have a lot of scat, it can cause air. It has airborne bacteria that can be make a person really sick. Yeah, and then all night you'll hear wee ba 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 da The scat man. Yes, that's right, Thank Ryan. You. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we did. I made several references that's, to that song in the last episode. That happens, but everything's good. We're good now. Everything's fine. How are you? <laughs> we that raccoon was delicious. <laughs> oh, raccoon is nasty. It's not a good meat. It's a meat that you Have eat you out had of it? desperation. Uh, no, no. Okay, I've read about it. It's a very dark meat. It's very gamey. It's mm. it's disgusting. I should have bought not, some more I'm weird meat whenever we were in Baltimore because that place we went to, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the market, that market. The first place we ate. Fadley's. 
Yes, that's right. That's right. That's Fade right. Leaves. Yeah, they sold like possum and like yeah. like other weird shit. And yeah. I'm like, why? How did I not buy that? Ugh. Because would you have flown home also, with it? Uh, we would have eaten it there. Yeah. I mean, it would have been bad because we were delayed by like a day. Yeah, I don't, so it's kind of a. But risk. whenever we ca- I came back from Europe, I packed my suitcase with a bunch of food. But then I that's illegal. Not cooked food. Oh. Okay. Yeah, we had a kitchen where I went, and I was like, "I'm not leaving all this." You just shit. flew all your cooked food home. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't realize uh, when we landed in America, they don't just forward your bag on. We had to go <laughs> and pick it up, and I did not know that. So when I got home, I had no bag, uh, and then had to go get it a couple days later at the airport, and um, full of rancid food. It, it tasted okay. Oh, I'm just God. <laughs> I did not eat it. Yeah, yeah he did. You and food. Mm. He ate it. Um, that's it. I'm trying to think. I don't have anything going on. I need to. I saw you do a post the other day, Caleb, about Bradford pears and cutting your down yours down. Yes. The, I don't know if it's Missouri or the Springfield Park Board that has a program where if you cut down a Bradford pear, it's the Missouri Department of Conservation. Missouri Department of Converse, Conservation, and they'll give you a new tree. Yes. Indigenous mm-hmm. to the area. I have four giant Bradford yeah, pears all, in my backyard. I want. Go. I want to get rid of them so badly, but. I can't cut them down on my own. I don't know how expensive it'll be to cut it down. And to make use of those new trees, you would need to pull it up from the roots. Yeah, so I have to... I can't plant it exactly where this stump of the old Bradford will be. I'll have to I'll have to read up on what's the good distance to plant a sapling away from it. I'll basically have to tear apart my whole backyard to make this work because the previous owner... I mean, it's this whole landscaping thing that's mm-hmm. built up on... There- Gravel and the whole the whole thing is they they grow fast so they're appealing really quick but they they're a nasty invasive tree and they're and also they're just super soft yeah they're wood and they just break and you get an ice storm and it's gonna knock out power yeah they look like shit and so Uh, it's it's I'm afraid to deal with it but I know I need to but it's gonna be expensive I'm assuming could be I'm a the one I have in my front yard is very small. Now, I have one on the south side of my yard. It's very large. Welcome to Arbor Day talk. But dad, my dad, my, the, the, my dad says that we can also probably cut that one down by ourselves, too. So I'll probably try to do that. He just runs up and pushes it over. Will you and would. your dad come to my house and help me? It's uh, <laughs> a lot of work. I. Uh, you guys can have all the wood. I don't want this. As payment. I, 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 I don't really. Don't you have a fireplace? Do you, am I imagining that? You I have two fireplaces, yeah. but one is you, a, a lot of it. Burner, you don't want to burn. A lot of it, you just take it, take it to your local recycle center and, and ah, burn it. D- disperse. Just, just anyway, I don't. We're getting way off track. I need here. a wood chipper, honestly. Actually, so kind of feeding off of that, we did have uh, city utilities a couple of months ago come through because they are replacing some of the lines in this area, and so they were they cut down that. It was a Bartlett pear that was in my backyard. And uh, then trimmed way back one of the uh, one of the other trees that's in there. But I was able to make use of the wood because I bought a birdie's raised garden bed. I'm using a what is it? It's a German word. Hugelkulter method, which uh, basically you fill the bottom of the garden bed about a little less than half full of like logs and sticks, and then you put garden soil and like compost on top of it. And so that's where all those logs went. Okay. Well, this we really did turn into Arbor Day yeah, time. It, really it did. It did. Hey, where we live, it's it's about 
I'm I got my I got my plants started down here in the basement, and I'm gonna be, I need to till up and plant some peas in the next couple of days. Can uh, Ryan borrow your dad's tiller? He's already Caleb? We did talk about now. that. It'll be here the second week. Of May. I think that's on record for probably the last five years. That <laughs> yep. we, we just celebrated five years of this podcast. We I did. It's crazy. I wouldn't have even known if Cybert hadn't thrown us. He's in. looking out for us. I am about it. Ryan, yo, are we drinking? What's the deal? I drink around here. You know what? I'll go. Yep, I'll get us something. While you do that, I'll talk about the Five Faces of Darkness VHS cover. Yes, it's weird. I assume this was available in the United States. I was asked if we were going to talk about this, and so we are now. And we are. I don't. I. I didn't. Haven't done much research, but the 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 key to it is for some reason. Powermaster Optimus Prime is featured very uh, a character who is never in the US series certainly not in Five Faces of Darkness some I don't know if that's some target master or some there's another robot behind him a couple humans with floating in space with headlamps the only thing that makes any sense at all is the Quintesson that is on the cover of this thing yeah I don't know who that's supposed to be behind him I don't know I did have Powermaster Prime and it was pretty is a prequel toy yeah I loved it, but not relevant <laughs> nope. to what we have going on. And that's Muppet. all I've got to say about that. It's weird. It's whack. <clears throat> Wickedy whack. Ooh, DOS FX has made another appearance on the show. I was thinking uh, uh, Criss Cross. It's wickedy, wickedy, wickedy whack. I'm assuming Criss Cross got that from DOS FX. Do you remember DOS FX at all? Uh, yes. They were pretty awesome. Yeah, they I were. think they have a classic album. Sound like that Chris Farley thing on SNL. Where remember, like do you remember? That was remember awesome. Where he's at? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Even if, if you listen to early Jay Z tracks, you'll find that he was very influenced by DOS effects. Yeah, I appear. I see drinks in front of us. I haven't. Yo, sipped. these look tropical. They are. Uh, so my umbrella has been in a hurricane, Ryan. For this episode and most of the Five Faces of Darkness episodes, I picked cocktails from the 80s. Well known for having garbage-ass cocktails. Yeah. Uh, it was a very dark time in mixology. The 90s weren't much better. Maybe we'll get to those when we do Beast Wars. <laughs> Aaron, right? Right? When we do Beast Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, c- <laughs> I'm certain the Cosmopolitan will make a terrible appearance. <laughs> What about a Choco Teeny or something? Ugh. Yeah, Apple Teeny. And mm-hmm. um, I did choose some fun 80s ones that, while none of them are particularly complex or interesting, are very consumable and fun, which is uh, pretty much like a good liquid embodiment of the 80s. So here we have the Sex on the Beach. According to my research, this drink was supposedly created by Ted Pizio at Confetti's Bar in Florida in the mid-80s. He was... Supposedly trying to move new peach schnapps spirit just released in the area. Uh, the bartender is also known as Teddy Confetti, which is fun and cute. Um, I don't know if any of that's true. But the sex on the beach is two ounces, 60 mils of orange juice, two ounces of cranberry juice, one ounce, 15 mils of peach liqueur, two ounces of vodka, shake with ice and pour over ice, fresh ice, preferably in a fun beach glass. I need hurricane glasses, which is what this should really be in. Listeners, if you want to give me hurricane glasses, I will accept them because they're very hard to find unless you just want to buy a box of them. Like, I can't find any at thrift stores or anything. That's why Ryan's turning his new thing. You've heard of buy me me a drink. Now, buy me a drink glass. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm glad you brought it up, Caleb. Buy me a drink. Buy hey, a what drink. would you like us to drink, listeners? You have the opportunity to buy us a drink for a donation of five freedom dollars. You can tell me to make your favorite cocktail. PayPal us $5 at APODDCAST. Let us know what you want to drink, why you want me to make it, who you are, anything else you'd like me to shout out. Again, if you're a Patreon donor at any level, you don't have to. Just message me, and I'll make the drink for you as well. So You, you guys take- should really do this, by the way. Listeners, do it now. Yeah. The garnish on this cocktail, dealer's choice. I chose a <laughs> uh, an orange slice, a maraschino cherry, and a paper umbrella. Seems appropriate. I think mint would also work really well with this. There's a Mo- Mr. Boston version of this drink with pineapple juice. Don't make it. It's disgusting. Boston. It's very sweet and very gross. Cheers. Cheers. Ah. Uh. Uh. You know what's missing with this? A huge line of cocaine. Yep. Here's the tasting note. Peach. Oh, peach, 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 peach. That's all it is. That's it's it. peach all the way down. I'm going to squeeze Whew. this orange. It's a dangerous in there. cocktail because uh, there's a lot of booze in here, and well, it's insanely sure drinkable. Like, you could suck this down in a second, especially if you're sitting out on that beach. Good luck having sex on it. Because after you're done with several of these, you, your dick ain't going to work. I was just going to say don't have sex on the beach because it's no, uncomfortable don't. and terrible. Like, you're going to get sand. The movie From Here to Eternity lied to us, everybody. Sand in all your foldy folds. My ex and I had sex on the beach uh, on our honeymoon, and you guys were out there, and you didn't even know. You didn't even know what happened. We were in the ocean, which is also a terrible That's, that's a great place to have sex. In a body of water? Yeah. Ugh, no. Jacuzzis, lakes are really good. Ponds. <laughs> are you being facetious? Yes. Ponds. Oh, Ponds. Man. How about mm, just in the sewer? Catfish chicks. In, yeah. Yeah, because, well, not, al- not only do fish pee in there all day, but, like, there is, and this may be a myth, but there's supposedly, like, if you're doing P and V, uh, there can cre- it can create a suction and you get stuck together. Interesting. I don't think that can possibly be true. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a something. It sounds my, like, sounds like something my junior, my my oldest kid would be talking about with his friends at school. I talked to him about it. Oh. <laughs> come to come sit on Uncle Ryan's knee. Bye, Ryan. And I drink. have I have disgusting <laughs> uncle advice for you. Yeah. you buy us a drink. Yeah, <laughs> that's buy us a drink. My buy buy Ryan a drink. Is it buy us a drink or buy you a drink? It's buy us a drink because you fucking freeloaders drink it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, need somebody to pay for this because I'm not. Uh, maybe our, maybe a Patreon. Hey, maybe while you're at it, it uh, from our Patreon, <laughs> any donor can also donate ten dollars and buy us a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> American Spirits, Marlboro Lights. American Spirits, please. <laughs> this is just Light the part blue. of the show where we beg for gifts. <laughs> That's the cocktail. It's we good. need one of those it's fancy delicious. Amazon gift things that oh, like, like, women um, on OnlyFans mm-hmm. and uh, strippers have. You know, yeah, the, sex, the sex workers have. Yeah, yeah, we do. You know what? Mm. Buy us a drink. That, Maybe if we down. showed a little more taint, we'd get some of that action. <sighs> I, I could put on happening. a, a fun, fancy little outfit. Well, I enjoy this drink. Take me back to a time when. To have a cocktail served to you, you had to have a five, six minute display of uh, bartender acrobatics. Yeah. 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 
like the I movie. think we're out of drinks from Jigger Beaker and Glass, actually, which is how this really? uh, this whole segment started. But I think I think we're pretty. Oh, I think I had some. I've basically planned out all of our cocktails for the next uh, for all of season three. But oh, wow. if you buy us a drink, uh, those will be bumped. So maybe I'll I'll do some research to see if I can get you some more source material for those. Oh, for the okay. Well, we'll save it for Beast Wars. There's got to be at least oh. one racist episode of Transformers coming up that we can use a jigger. We just talked about Carbamia recipe. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see the sign. No, not yet. <laughs> the sign that's even that's so fucking awful. We'll get there. In theory, there was nothing too racist other than the existence of Carbamia in yeah. the last episode. It's a. It's not. I would say on a scale of racism, it's like a three. It's pretty tame. It's not good, but it's pretty tame. It's not good, but <laughs> but pretty tame. Last episode recap. Happy Christmas. War is over. Or is it? The Quints frame the cons for an attack on Olympic Games while the Decepticons seek energy and Galvatron's remains. Kidnapped friends, it's a pity. Get a cog to the city. <laughs> Decepticon life is very shitty. Acom, Dilly, let's go. You worked a lot harder on that than the intro. I talked about Mountain Dew. It's, oh, that that was a... Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. What do you want, man? Just the beginning of the intro was very short, and I was taking it off guard. Yeah. We get another recap. The war's over. Autobots won. Decepticons, no doing good. Finding Galvatron is their only hope, frankly. I think yeah. that takes us up to the two minutes and 30 second This is a long mark. recap of the last episode. Yeah. I mean, it's two minutes and 30 seconds. I don't know why... Because they don't do... I mean, I guess you're right. All of these connect. So it is like a last time. But it's really long. But we also have to recap the movie a little bit. Yeah. Was, yeah. I do like the pairing. Layers of recaps here. I mean, we start right from where the last episode was but I like the pairing of Grimlock and Rodimus Prime. Sure. You love Grimlock. I do love Grimlock. And these guys seem to genuinely enjoy each other's presence. Yeah. Yeah, if I was at Rodimus Prime and I'm like, I'm going to Char, and Perceptor was like, I'll accompany you, I'd be looking over at Grimlock, hoping <laughs> he volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. We're on Char, Grimlock and Rodimus, as as we you might recall, they were spying on the Decepticons, some feeling sympathy, others feeling less so, and they were discovered, were shot down off the big rocky pillar they were on, and they are on the ground being... Uh, confronted mm -hmm. by the Decepticons and fired upon. This is so... Okay, I was annoyed right off the bat here. So, okay, we'll see in just a second. The Decepticon lasers don't really work because they're out of power, mm -hmm. but why don't the Autobots' guns seemingly have any effect on who we come to know are seriously produced Decepticons? They keep firing at them and nothing happens. Well, I'm watching and I'm not seeing them really getting any shots off. Well, you'll see it in a second. Yeah, the Decepticons are out of power, so they just advance on the Autobots. Yeah. They're like... Let's trample. Like, it's going to be melee and trample. Yeah. I just thought it would have been so much more interesting, and, you know, it's not dumb, to have Rodimus and Grimlock, two supposedly Full strong power. Autobots, yeah. just plow through these fuckers. Yeah, I agree. And Grimlock is built for that. Yeah. And like nothing, yeah, they're shooting them. The Decepticons. It's doing and nothing, nothing to happens. them. Yeah, 
It's so annoying, and uh, I'll tell you why. Even up to uh, Autobotamus just unleashing a stream of laser on Rumble, mm -hmm. and nothing's happening. I think this is the new Decepticon strategy. The whole time, they should have just (laughs) walked toward him. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about why it's dumb, and the answer is because ACOM, not because script. Grimlock finally transforms, consumes a rifle, but Rodimus is getting beat to death he's they're just swinging their guns all over him and uh top me off why don't you buddy Ugh. yeah rodimus is getting damaged pretty good and they're laying there seemingly lifeless grimlock is Grimlock's he's definitely conscious. alive rodimus he's is not conscious out of the sky comes a flaming meteor that halts mid-air turns out it's springer and rc in the skuxoid ship i fucking hate this they unleash the asteroids grabbers and rescue the team I don't know what you're talking about, Ryan. This is all pretty, pretty it's good. Stupid goddamn. <laughs> and they don't, they don't reel them back into the ship. No, they don't. That's another <laughs> note I had. They but just... okay, so this stupid asteroid Springer and RC have been flying around. Screams into the area of Char, which I will remind you is not a planet that has an atmosphere, but it comes burning in as if it has an atmosphere, almost like. The animators don't know what a planet is or that you have to have an atmosphere for it to burn. It's just, I know it's a kid's show. I'm just annoyed. How do we know it doesn't have an atmosphere? Because it's not a planet. It won't, it won't hit, it won't hit air resistance or atmospheric resistance. I mean, I guess it maybe, okay. It has gravity. Maybe it does. Yeah, but. uh, Maybe it does. Maybe it does have an atmosphere because it has clouds, I guess, unless it's in a nebula. Uh, it's just, I, I think it has an atmosphere then, Ryan. I guess, you know what? I'm going to walk it all back. I'm the fucking idiot. <laughs> Everybody, I'm, I'm going to, I quit the show. So you admit ACOM is the best they, animation they house. That's right. The That's right. <clears throat> the Decepticons collect themselves uh, after, so Grimlock and Rodimus Prime are rescued and hauled away. Somebody takes a shot at him and nails Rodimus. But they, the Decepticons collect themselves. Cyclonus thanks them for their donation of Energon, which they are going to use in this mission to revive and collect Galvatron. This fucking ship looks dumb. It looks like a... Like it, a beetle. It does. It looks like a beetle. Like, all of a sudden, when it opened... It opened up, like, the sweep's wings, mm-hmm. and then there's, like, this undercarriage with it's gross and shit. You, I love the part here where that thing's flying off and Cyclonus just throws his throws gun, his gun down. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I do actually kind of want to walk that back. I think I was confusing Char with one of the other planets that's not a planet. There's, There's a lot of planets yeah, going it's okay. on there. It's, You're right. You're forgiven. So, okay. It's hard to keep track. I'll take it all back. Grimlock is definitely setting the stage that something's wrong with Rodimus. I mean, as if his lifeless body wasn't uh, enough to give that away. But I like the emotion that Grimlock, oh, yeah. that Greg Berger gives Grimlock for these scenes that are just now and upcoming. Yeah, that's why, again, I was like, they Grimlock seems to really care about Rodimus. And he'll there'll be more in just a little bit. I have a note about it. But yeah, Grimlock um, is really seems upset. We flipped. You've been complaining about planet shapes. I don't know. I mean, we've seen Quintessa before, but uh, I'm fine with Quintessa. I think it looks awesome. It does. That's a very cool design. I I kind of I feel I understand where you're coming at, and that's well and that's well drawn. Yeah, not like Char. Yeah. Why are we okay with Quintessa being like this? It's spherical. Yeah, it's got a weird, huge. You could argue that maybe they constructed these psychedelic ringscape that mm-hmm. surrounds it. It looks it's like cool. Saturn on acid. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
we flip to a very familiar planet and setting, as we said. It's mm-hmm. Quintessa, and we are going to the Quintesson courtroom. There's some playful tit for tat We've between the Quintesson judges and Cups. I really do like the dialogue. Me I think too. I think Cups barbs were very well written and funny. Yep. And the dry responses of the Quintessons were hilarious as yep. well. I actually I had legitimate laughter at this scene. I did too. Which is something I can say. I don't think I've done nope this whole <laughs> journey. No, I did too. Whenever the the Quintessons are interrogating Cup, he's on the platform above the Shark Decon tank, and they say like you're the security uh, chief security officer of Cybertron, <laughs> and he uh, Cup says, "Nah, my name's Teaspoon. I'm Cybertron's chief dishwasher." <laughs> Is very funny, and then the Quintesson reaction is like ninety nine percent chance of yeah lie or whatever yeah something like that. Mm-hmm. There, a cup is hovering over the Sharktacon pit. Meanwhile, from the holding cell, Magnus and Spike are pondering the nature mm-hmm. of the Quintessons as well as that they notice that there's some sort of curiosity and apprehension towards Spike and the human species in general. Yeah, it seems like. And I think Ultra Magnus says something to this effect, but it seems like the Quintessons have some limited telepathic ability with Cybertronians. Uh, but they say they have a lack of knowledge and insight on humans and the human mind. And in a little bit, I think they say, uh, talking about Spike, let's see how he... Because Spike says, they don't know my head, or they can't listen to me, or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> and then the, later on, in the second, the Quintessons say, "Let's how he say how he handles interrogation." Speaking about Spike, and I just thought, "Oh no, let's see how he handles butt stuff." Huh. That's where I went. Yep, strange place to go. It's always Is go- it? It's always goes to. It's always butt stuff with you. I like my sphincter play. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just let's capture. You, you like to have your. You like. Someone to tongue punch your fart box. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, wow. Let's capture a little bit of the cup sure. audio for Let's posterity. You are the Autobot called Cup. You are Cybertron's chief of security. Nah, my name's Teaspoon, and I'm Cybertron's chief dishwasher. Zero percent probability of truth. Identification positive. Tell us the status of Cybertronian defense apparatus. Total shambles after the last war. Three kids and a dog could take the planet. Four percent probability of truth. Defenses at optimum levels. Direct assault not viable. Are there any known weaknesses in your defense system? Hey, you guys seem to know all the answers. Why ask me? The answer he suppresses is that Cybertron is not vulnerable to conventional attack. However, he is concerned with the security of planet Earth. I I think the acting is really good. Yeah, I agree. I love the I love the addition of the Quintessons so the, so far and mm-hmm. adding them in as a as a new villainous. Yeah, it, it also works really well because like you know we've seen the Decepticons at this point right now are not a threat, and we've introduced a new big bad. Yeah, I like it. I like it. The Skuxoid ship, piloted by Springer and RC, finds a barren asteroid that looks like the moon on a half crescent day, and uh, or, 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 or what would you call it? A three quarter? Three quarter. We'll give it a three quarter Cressy. Three quarter Cressies. Probably shouldn't be an, ast- uh, an atmosphere here, Ryan. It's fine. Or gravity. It doesn't matter. 
Uh, the ship lands. Gravity. And, right, but not enough gravity to allow them to stand. just yeah, yeah, it, stand. This up. didn't bother me, really. Unless there's a high density. Yeah, it could be lead. Um, yeah, you're they right, They gently Caleb. place Rodimus and Grimlock on <laughs> the ground. They don't bring them on board. They just carry them in these fucking <laughs> uh, amusement park claw arm game appendages all the way across the stars and land them <laughs> on this fucking garbage planet. Rodimus is not doing so well. Grimlock begs Rodimus to wake up. As Springer and RC rush to him, Rodimus starts the Autobot death speech. His time in the light is short. Mm -hmm. That's what Optimus said. Rodimus commands the matrix of leadership be passed to Springer as his life force slips away and his eyes go dim. So Rodimus says, my time in the light is short. And R.C. says, that's what Optimus Prime said when he was dying. Nope. He didn't say nope. that. Nope. No, it fucking is not what he said. It's not even remotely close to what he said at all. What did Optimus Prime say? Uh, do not grieve. Soon I will become one with the Matrix. Why do I... I maybe there's a, a Bernstein Bears Mandela effect here. Because I read that as well, that that's not what he says. But I f- feel like I remember him saying that. My time in the light is short. Nope. Not in the movie. Huh. Nope. Was it a Ron Friedman line? I don't think so. I'd have to go back and check my notes, and I will. And uh, But I don't think... Mm, that's a good question. Maybe we've <sighs> seen versions. Maybe you've seen versions of the movie where they put that line in the movie to help <laughs> this part make sense. <laughs> retroactive it's just that. very poorly animated <laughs> acom animation that they just inserted but in also it's not peter viewing. cullen no they just, just say like, they just my say time it. of the yeah, light is really, short i would say they say it fast try to fit it in between lines they had john mashita do it time also of like so we're having rodimus in his death throes here that's pretty fucked up flint like right. what are you Good. doing here bring it on I do also love, again, how Grimlock is really upset and worried about Rodimus Prime here. Yeah. I love it. Oh, we haven't got there yet. I love I love the Rodimus uh, psychedelic trip into the Matrix. Trip. Yeah. Loving it. This is where I started to like this episode. Yeah. The music is great. It is like stri- like the string version of the theme song slowed down. Yeah. We went to commercial and now we're back from commercial. And if you if you can't tell by the sounds of those soft strings, things aren't looking good. Rodimus Prime has passed away. No life force at all. No. It's- That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But Rodimus can't be dead. The Matrix would have emerged from his chest. But if he's not dead, where where's his life force? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Fuck yeah, life. I love this part. And then it's like... I mean, it looks like fucking shit. Then you start playing White Rabbit by Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. That's a good idea for a video to put out there for us. Yeah. You guys won't there's, do there's, there's other movies that kind of have that thing going. There's, it's almost like 2001 Space Odyssey kind of deal. Yeah, it, very The best much. movie ever. It's a great movie. It's not a bad movie. <laughs> um, the good. movie, the recent movie, uh, Mandy, when Nicolas Cage tastes some of the, tastes this jar that's got some uh, tainted acid in it. By the way, 
Go watch the Mandy's movie Mandy. Good, I like Mandy. His, and his face melts. That's mm-hmm. kind of what happens here. The answer to the life essence thing lies in the button of peyote that I just ingested. The camera dives deep into the electric psyche of Rodimus Prime. We ride the ultralight beam all yeah. the way down to the depths of the Matrix of Leadership. I think this is a pretty impressive leadership. sequence. Okay. okay. There's some cool parts. I, that part we just saw, like the techno hallway. This, yeah. this, 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 this. this is stupid. Uh, I don't disagree with you, Caleb. I think the concept is neat, and it's neat in the script. I think the execution looks like fucking shit. It uh. looks like a garbage version of like the Phantom Tollbooth. I, I don't know if I anybody dis- knows that reference. I don't. I do. I, that's a great book. I don't disagree with this hallway part. Is very yes. cool. I don't disagree with you. I thought it was just. It was super entertaining. I was watching it like, ah, what the fuck? They, they like- definitely took cues from Space Odyssey. They had. Sure, to, I would sure. think so. I mean, that also looks like the tunnel in the movie. A little bit, like a terrible version of it. <laughs> the numbers Why floating in space and the weird melting. Percent like five seven point square five, root nine. Of... Yeah. yeah, we see visions, visions of square molten of digits, lot, lots of explosions. He's like, he's this is a hardcore <laughs> ayahuasca trip that he's having. Here. We see Quintessa explode. We see Optimus Prime's face explode. Mm. We see. Various 3D vectored characters and, and statues, that? and finally, I think it's uh, meant to be a different prime, <clears throat> like not Optimus Prime or Rodimus. He's prime. going through so, different primes. Yeah, we see ages. Optimus Prime's head explode, and then it becomes Rodimus Prime, and then we see a character we don't know who I think, especially later in I think the Rage episodes, yes, devolves into what we just saw the skull. Like it eventually gets to this weird like. Almost Terminator looking, but it also looks part Quintesson. Quintesson, yeah, that is a like maybe the earliest version of of a of a Prime or a Matrix, you know. Got it. Back in the real world, Rodimus awakens, and he just says the Quintessons. He now knows who kidnapped the others. Rodimus recalls his time on Quintessa, and recalls Grimlock saving him. And that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. That's in order. I do like any callback to the movie. I think that's pretty fun. I think there's a really good opportunity here for him to come back from the spirit quest and start and Rodimus start kind of being a pseudo spiritual like leader of sorts and start like wearing like medallions and stuff. And he starts like, an organic robes. strawberry farm. Yeah, and so you've got like two cult leaders going at each other well, He's got galvatron and then you, hot rod Rodimus. you made me think of uh yeah you made me think of another cult uh the, yeah. the mountain wizards which became on shinrikyo where their leader <laughs> used to uh he claimed he could levitate and he used to uh sell this his uh, bath water uh sell his heal- bath water yes yeah, sell his bath water as a healing like tincture you drink it yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. It's implied you should drink it, but like you and yeah. He also, uh, speaking of which, they all had a head full of acid all the time. So they did some terrorist uh, activity on the subway in Tokyo in the nineties. Uh, killed was five it a people. Japanese cult? Yes, it I was, remember. That. It still exists. Actually, it, they did they and they released some chemicals or something. Sarin gas. They made their own sarin gas, and also they were like. Uh, bil- they had billions of dollars. Like they were like essentially operating as an independent country, and uh, the I think that it wasn't as heavily covered in America because it was right around the time that the Oklahoma City bombing occurred. I remember the event though. Yep. 
Yeah, they 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 released sarin, homemade sarin gas into the Tokyo subway and killed five people and, and hurt a lot of others. Well, I don't think Rodimus would be doing that stuff. You know, no, he time. would yeah. uh, just do what he did do, which He's, is he called Grimlock Bozology. Yeah, yeah. weird line. Yeah. In the script. It is in the script. <laughs> he t- it doesn't sound like a name you call somebody. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think he'd be a... I, I want him to see a, be a... I want him to think he is... Like going from being doubtful to being like, like super confident, but still just being a complete fuck up about it. <laughs> is there any more left in the old container? It's in the cobbler shaker there. Hit me. Give me some of that sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. Rodimus, Springer, RC, Grimlock are going to Quintessa. That's an order. Why don't we go to Quintessa ourselves? We're going to find Cup, Magnus, and Spike. They're being led down a hallway, most certainly to their doom. I love this part. Like, again, I am back into this episode, but I like the misdirection that Spike is doing with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost, I really, it was, it sold me so much. I didn't think Cup knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, even you got fooled? Yeah. Nice. I was like, I don't know if this one's going to work, Spike. <laughs> But uh, you know you're desperate when all you can do is rush them and pray. <laughs> yeah, so basically what happens is Spike is like, hey, remember, Cup, when in the script it says when we watched the 97 um, Super Bowl, I think is what he oh, says really? in the script. Um, but, but, yeah, basically he, Spike is trying to encode, tell him, like, uh, you rush them and then we'll do something. It's, so they're being led down this hallway. And, uh, yeah, Cup's like, no, I don't remember that. Um and then they do, and they win. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, shout out to Transformers Reanimated. Maybe they need to include the 97 Super Bowl in a script. Spike is actually pretty awesome at this point. Like, he takes a Quintesson hostage. I feel like Carly has been giving him lessons. <laughs> I guess you gotta be. So, okay, if he was 14 in 1985, then he would be 95, 24, 2000. He's 34 years old. Yeah. By the way, the the uh, ninety the the Super Bowl for ninety seven, the uh, Green Bay Packers beat the New England Patriots. I and remember that. It has a and actually I've I I went down a rabbit hole of Super Bowl halftime shows, and this one was a notoriously bad one. Aren't they all? They they are, but they're people. They, but the they, last one was awesome. But I they know. haven't been. Um, they always haven't been like some big time uh, like artist, you know. That that's only a thing that's only happened over the past twenty years. But even in the nineties, it was like it was super wackadoo. And so this halftime show for uh, this halftime show, Cab was, Calloway, it was the Blues Brothers. Oh my God! So it wasn't even it was uh, a it fictional was, character. Yeah, it was John Goodman and uh, Dan Aykroyd and um, 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 fuck. John Goodman? No, John Goodman. The Belushi who's alive. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Jim Belushi. Was it John or John? Bel- which one's alive? Which one? I think Jim. Jim. Jim Belushi. Yeah, and I've seen. I've seen parts one. of it. It's awful. <laughs> anyway, that's I remember what, Aerosmith that's what they, doing it in the nineties? Uh, I don't think so. I think they did it in the two thousands. Okay. Anyway, I would love to see Reanimated incorporate that into into this. They should. By the way, check out Reanimated, everybody. Mm. Which, whenever this was written, they would have never, they wouldn't have known who was going to be in that Super Bowl. Well, 
Of course, yeah, they can't predict. No, I know, no, I know. I'm just thinking like. What if the well, Super Bowl were like, wait a minute, in the Transformers they had such and such, so I guess we <laughs> have to kind of go with We it. have to do a Russian <laughs> pray play. Yeah. No, I, I, what I, my brain was disconnected and I was thinking that. I wonder if there was an element of that Russian prey sort of mentality oh, to that oh, Super Bowl, but there wouldn't have been because <laughs> no. it hadn't happened yet in real life. Right. So it was still stupid, but just not in the way that you thought I was stupid. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the prisoners knock out the guards. They take a Quinnison hostage. They they march into the courtroom, demand their release, or their Quint captive becomes bluey juice. Yeah. Unexpectedly, the judges sentence their friend Deliberata to death. Mm-hmm. Deliberata praises the decision, and the pit is open. The team falls into the murky Sharkticon yep. waters. Yeah, it's pretty cold-blooded. Like, the rest of the Quintessons are like, nah, you don't have a hostage. Judge Deliberata is expendable, and the judge celebrates the decision. <clears throat> judge is like, yep. And uh, they drop them all into the pit. And they have to start fighting. It's pretty off fucking awesome. This Quintesson pit seems more shallow than it. The Quintessons say something <clears throat> to the effect of, "Pay us no mind. We just like to watch right here." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, space cucks." But did they lower their Correct. platform to see them? I think it's meant to be a TV screen. Okay. Well, it, I thought it was like they're looking. Yeah. At, they're okay. Looking at the, but yeah. I can get that. Why do you have to have a screen that opens up and this closes? So you can see. They'd like to watch. But the thing is, the thing is, it would sh- it should just be a camera. But instead, they are, what's <laughs> even right. more fucked up is that we, this, we have to way, watch them watch. It's a two way <laughs> Yes, you get to watch. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm watching the Quintessons watch me die. Oh no, stepson! I'm stuck in a dryer. Here we go. <laughs> Instead of that, let's head to the planet Thrall, and we're accompanied by some sick Metroid-style music, by the way. Scourge flies to remove Galvatron from the plasma <laughs> pool that he is encased in. Galvatron is alive mm-hmm. and not happy to be disturbed from his slumber. He takes the opportunity to beat the living shit. <laughs> yes. Out of Cyclonus. He's unhinged in a do, terrifying way. Do they ever really give him the um, Energon? No. I don't understand why the Energon's uh, necessary. Right. The, it, I it, guess to power... Whoa. Yeah, a, they're, they're no, see, that whole that all falls apart. They don't ever give him any Energon. In fact, he's supercharged yeah, he's right now. Plasma plasma bath. Bath. You could maybe argue they needed it for fuel to go get him, no, but he, they were just there. Just them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... It's it all that's all gone out the window at this point. I don't know if this is very good. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's I I yeah. It, of course it's I all weird. I didn't even think of that, but you're completely right. Yeah, well, you, well it's hard to dude, look how much is, look how much has happened since then. It's hard to remember that kind of stuff. Galvatron regains some modicum of sense and seems happy to see his comrades. We go to commercial on a very tight portrait of Galvatron's face covered in sparking electrodes, mm-hmm. likely indicative of some kind of mania, Mental wouldn't illness. you say? <laughs> yeah. the, the Emperor is back, but there is a lot of violence before that all happens. He knocks Cyclonus yeah, into the, to... the plasma lava several times. He blows up a rock for no reason. I think he uppercuts a sweep into the he lava as well. straight up, like, 
it I thought he was murdering them because he shoots a bunch of sweeps, but later they're fine. We I didn't write any notes on it, but it's interesting how Scourge is actually the smart one in this situation, and he steps up and says something along the lines of I, I didn't understand, but now I do understand your something like your that. power and basically placates Galvatron to stop trying to murder fucking everybody. everybody up. <laughs> we go to commercial. We're going to come back from commercial and, and see when, what we just described, basically. And when we do, we see Springer, RC, Grimlock. Not yet, but... Oh, yeah, you're right. No, I'm sorry. You think I didn't watch this? <laughs> so, do they write in the insanity part because, you know, obviously they couldn't have Leonard Nimoy in, and so they had such a different voice actor that they had to have some reason for him to sound that different, or did no, it just work out that way? That's not why, but he, Flint does write in that he's crazy. Okay, We'll get there. Cool. The question becomes, I think this is one of the points of debate between uh, Greg Tansley, Unfunny Nerd Tangent, TF Reanimated, and I around, is Galvatron and Megatron, the, are they the same person? Do they, rem- like like discussed earlier, or, does Galvatron have memories from being, being Megatron. Megatron? Correct, yeah, that's the main. I think so. And you would probably be on the same page as him. He basically, his take... And maybe this should be saved for the movie, and we can go into it in more detail. But the take is that they're just the same. They're exactly the same. The only reason Galvatron seems different is because he has been made insane by his time Mm. in these plasma pits. But the way that Galvatron talks about Megatron in third person in the movie throws me off and the way other people talk about him kind of throws me off and he does but he he does does seem to have a different personality it's true but he does say in the movie that he killed optimus prime well he says first optimus prime but so he he, has memory of optimus prime dying whether or not it's by his hand is he taking credit for this galvatron well he galvatron take credit for killing optimus prime he says first prime then ultra magnus now you implying he killed all three or maybe he's sim- maybe he's saying that those Autobots have died, and now maybe he's not taking. He lives every I'm saying. Autobot it's not, that dies. It's not specific. <laughs> he doesn't say. He doesn't say. First, in my previous body, I killed Optimus Prime. I, then, in my new body, I had my well, sweeps no, no. kill know, Ultra Magnus, and now here. also in my current body, I will kill you. I think from context clues, though. I agree. I need I will specifics. Say that, I will say that... <laughs> you I, need him to spell it out. <laughs> he's laying it out. I need to see a, a chart. <laughs> Pie graph, like a... What do you call it? One of those, diagram? One of the, no, one of those, no. uh, those flow charts. Like a, well, what I, I'm curious, as this season develops, as we're talking about it, we'll have to like check in and be like, okay... Okay, did that did that phrase whatever that that line did that insinuate that he has memories of being Megatron? Curious to see. By the way, I love the idea of him just I being always Megatron. Just I it. love that idea. I always assumed sure. he had memories of being Megatron. As a in kid, the, I just assumed it. In the Marvel books, he one hundred percent remembers being Megatron because there's an issue where in a time skip he meets Megatron and he's like, "How can you be here? I'm Megatron." Right. And then I remember like Cyclonus and uh, Dirge, you know, they talk about being uh, Insecticons. <laughs> Cyclonus and Scourge. Remember we were is just what you buzzing mean. around, what did I, what did eating I call them fields Dirge. and dumping Dirge. over the, the threshers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they talk about being Insecticons. Maybe they do it off camera. 
Hey, Cyclonus, why don't you use one of them bomb burst shells that you got? Oh, never mind. He's like, you're like, different now. Does what he ever we- like accidentally trip up and be like, "We all hail Galvatron, Galvatron, Galvatron." <laughs> well, technically, that's only shrapnel that repeats. But you I know see, what I mean. I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I like what you're doing. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm into it. Which no, one, you're well, engaged. Did shrapnel? Who did shrapnel turn I'm into? We don't, I think just a sweep. Okay. Who Thundercracker is undef un is definitely uh, I think Thunder Thundercracker is definitely Scourge. The yes, I believe so. Bombshell Fuck, and we're gonna get destroyed. Oh, <laughs> Thanks for commending Christ. me on being engaged. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, your jokes are relevant. Of You're course doing a they good are. job, buddy. Why wouldn't they so be? Don't leave us, coming Caleb. In third. The only reason anybody <laughs> likes us. race. Three out of three. All right. What are we watching here? We're, we're, <laughs> Some Springer shit. RC, Grimlock, Blown Hot Rod. Up. They're flying through space in the spiky, scuxoid ship. Hot Rod tracks and identifies Quintessa from out the window. There it is. <laughs> he points at well, it. he says something like, I've been there. Well, that's what they're looking that's for. So I'm glad that worked out. Hey, I've been there. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Autobots and Spike are in the Sharktacon pit. Spike challenges the Quintesson's decisions. Why are they all sentenced to death? What are the charges? The answer, theft. Mm-hmm. You must be confusing us with the Decepticons. They're the thieves, but do the Autobots not inhabit Cybertron? There's a piece to the puzzle here that we're all missing. That is kind of neat, but also... <laughs> it Cup says you're confusing us with the Decepticons, but I think it's Ultra Magnus's voice. It is. Yeah, it's a big mess up. The Quintessons detect the Autobot reinforcements are incoming. Is this an opportunity to destroy the Autobot Matrix? The Skuxix asteroid approaches the rooftop, opening of the courtroom. The Quintessons call upon their defense systems. A large cannon fires and destroys the asteroid ship. Are the Autobots dead? More on that later. We're going to go to Thrall. Galvatron explains oh, that the plasma baths have made him more powerful than ever. But who who's going to serve him? Who? Yeah, you're right. Isn't is this the part where he attacks everybody? I guess no. He just attacked everybody. He's going to do it again. So. At the suggestion that Cyclonus and Scourge and the Sweeps would be Galvatron's elite guard, he <laughs>, laughs madly and fires upon the Sweeps. You're right. So okay, this blasting is them I out remember. of the sky and into the uh, plasma below. Yeah. So this is where he fires. You're right. The sweeps. Yeah. It's like yeah. He's just like he's nuts. I love this orange and yeah, blue cool. purple tones. Yeah. The uh, the isotone slippers that are the Sweeps. You know, blue and orange are. Uh, complimentary colors. So on one hand, it'd be like, let's get some Speaking of this plasma of- bath, but the downside is, is you go crazy. Is that what I'm thinking here? Like, why don't you just have all the Decepticons come back and like, let's get in that plasma bath. <laughs> let's get it all up in that plasma. But just for a little Because I think Galvatron destroys the planet in just a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he does. He blows the whole damn thing up. This, uh, yeah, I guess it's I got crazy. way ahead of myself because this is where Scourge calms Galvatron's mm-hmm. tantrum. Mm-hmm. It Just some bootlicking platitudes. They fly off to reinvigorate the Decepticon Empire once they exit the atmosphere. If there is an atmosphere, I don't know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the... Galvatron turns into his cannon mode and fires on the planet, destroying it entirely. It's a pretty cool explosion for ACOM. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. I recall in season three, even as a kid, making note that his cannon has a wide range of effectiveness. Oh, what a great explosion. (laughs) That looked like shit. What are you talking about? Maybe I wasn't. I said for ACOM. (laughs) 
Anyway, I'm sorry, Caleb. What were you saying? I'm just saying, even as a kid, I remember that noting that Galvatron's effectiveness of his cannon has a wide range. It has, it has yeah. a wide range of effect. I mean, he was just blasting all those guys. They all survived, and then he, and then the he destroyed up. a planet. Yeah. So they. I'm assuming you have strength levels that you can. Yeah, like he had it on stun. <laughs> if I was him, I would always have it on the top strength level. Well, you're mean. Just blow it all up, man. Back on Quintessa, the Autobots battle the Sharkticons. RC, Grimlock, and Rodimus swoop in, hanging on Springer. I guess he's very powerful to be able to hold all them Look at up. This. Would we see RC with her badass cup I know. And her Ooh, butt yeah. And her, and her uh, rifle. Curves. Mm-hmm. Curves. It's awesome. <laughs> Grimlock's hanging off the bottom. I didn't <laughs> notice that before. The judges eject. He can fly! Yeah, it's that's true. Why is he just not flying the judges <laughs> eject from their thrones and fly in there he, he even does a backflip as he jumps off it's, of the this is it's very dumb and bad yeah there's a little bit of goofy i don't know if slapstick is the right word but the quintessence eject from their thrones they fly past grimlock he just crashes on their chairs it just reminded, it's awkward yeah springer picks up magnus spike and cup he again he's just hauling a lot of people for a helicopter that's small they're oh, dragging yeah, that's along right they take judge uh deliberata deliberata oh yeah there he is meanwhile and this is maybe this might be contentious you have broadside and the aerial bots i was show gonna up ask to you if that was crew. broadside okay they yeah. fire on the defenses effectively taking them down so quintessa's uh you know they're, they're managing pretty well offensively the quintessons are escaping in their trademark corkscrew ship they they... aim to detonate their home planet in a fire explosion in an attempt to destroy the autobot matrix which none of this makes sense from a timing standpoint because the autobots are well on their way off the planet by the time the quintessons blow up it's also like wow you guys are willing to destroy your home planet (laughs) to kill the matrix it's that big a deal seems bold all right they want they want Cybertron back. That's well, we don't know. Well, yeah, we assume that maybe they're connected to Cybertron. Theft. I mean, Rodimus did have that vision. He all he had a vision of. He didn't have a vision of anything. Like he, we don't know what his vision meant at all. Well, Quintessa exploded in his vision. Right. Okay. Yeah. And maybe he recognized that some of the characters had some Quintessonian attributes to their face shape all right i'll give it to you you win this i mean i noticed it i mean that is actually the same explosion we do see in his vision so you're right and that's in the quintessa yeah go to what about all those fish (laughs) (laughs) we go to commercial actually we go to it's the the end end of the episode it's went into the episodes i didn't even say that uh, the aerial bots swooped in, picked up the yeah, autobots. The aerial bots the au- arrive in broadside. That's yeah. what, that was my question for you. I'm like, is that supposed to be broadside? It is his one of his. So broadside's animation models are historic unto themselves. There's a <laughs> lot of that he had. You, there's some old toy catalogs that had some prototypes of the character before they had finished it. And so as a result, he has two completely different animation models. 
Uh, even his vehicular models are very different. <laughs> they don't refer to him as broadside. That we'll see that mm-hmm. ship get destroyed in the next episode. Oh, so and the only they way- never refer to him as broadside. No. And technically, it may not be broadside, but it is definitely his animation. It model. is. And the only reason I wondered if it, that's who that was is because he has Autobot symbols on his wings. Other than that, I would just thought the aerobots, and I'm like, oh, good, the aerobots are here, fantastic. <laughs> that I just thought maybe they they've were cleaned up their act in the in last ship. twenty years. Yeah, that's the end. That's the end. That's uh, the end. Yeah, I was going to oh, talk f- about toys, but the broadside thing is all I really oh, had. No, there's no. It's relevant to what we saw on screen, and it's more relevant next episode actually because mm. the character or because that ship gets destroyed. <laughs> And then Broadside shows up Good like Lord. a minute later. Uh, voice actors. We have, an, well, if indeed Broadside, that is Broadside. He didn't speak, but the character of Broadside was voiced by William E. Martin, who was a singer, songwriter, and actor. The role, most meaningfully to me, was that he did Shredder in later uh, seasons of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, because originally it was Uncle Phil. He did some voice acting, GoBots, real Ghostbusters, an announcer on Not Necessarily the News, a handful of video games. He was also the writer of the movie Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, I love that movie. Cool. <clears throat> so Get out of here. We don't want you. The Transformers are now one degree from John Lithgow. Love it. It's a funny um, 30 Rock episode where they watch Harry and the Hendersons with John Lithgow in the like playing John Lithgow in the show. It's very funny <laughs> i'm sure it was yeah sorry <laughs> take us to the real world hey, hey we were getting there in the real world y'all five bases of darkness part two aired a day after our last episode september 16th 1986 these all aired a day after each other it was one week in september what a week <laughs> what a series so no new news on songs, no new news on movies. Shh, shut up. <laughs> the American Top 40. Since the Five Faces miniseries aired over the course of a single week, it came as no surprise for the next several shows. The number one song and movie will be the same. So I picked some other favorites of mine from this year that we won't cover. Uh, well, I mean, what I mean is we won't cover them in any other episode. Today we're talking about uh, Starship's song, Sarah which reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 for I know three one. weeks. You do know it. Sarah, 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 Sarah. Definitely know the song. <laughs> Caleb, look it up and we'll do it. Um, this was... <laughs> Caleb, look it up, dum 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 dum. This was a band. I mean, I know. I guess you may not know it because you you uh, obviously are uh, a long. We all know that you hate Starship. I'm on record. Yeah, because uh, I wrote that. This I'm is, not a fan of the really even Jefferson Airplane. I don't think I like any versions of Jefferson Airplane. White Rabbit. <laughs> I don't even like that song. Huh. All right, moving on. This band was the second number one hit after the song Aaron Hates. We built this city on. <laughs> and that's Starship. That's Starship. Uh huh. It was on the first album since the band changed its name to Starship. The music video <laughs> features a very formative early sexual stirring actor for me, Rebecca DeMornay. 
as the song's titular character of Sarah. Rebecca de Mornay is probably best known for being the star of The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Sarah is named for the lead singer Mickey Thomas's real-life wife at the time, even though he didn't write the song. Um, this video is very confusing, and I believe the Wikipedia explanation for it is even more confusing. The song and video are obviously about loss, but here's what the intro on Wikipedia says. The music video for Sarah... Uh, prominently features the actress Rebecca de Mornay as the song's titular character and Thomas in a storyline about a relationship ending on a Dust Bowl farm in the Midwest with frequent flashbacks to what is presumably Thomas's character in childhood and the tornado that wrecked his home and took the life of his beloved mother. It ends with a panoramic view of the farm with Thomas walking down the dirt road Rebecca drove down when he, she left him at the beginning of the, of the, the song and another dust cloud forming. The flashback portions of the music video were set in the 1950s and directed by Francis Delia. Now, either the writer of that entry or the director of this video don't know what the Dust Bowl was, because that happened in the 30s, and there were two tornadoes and no dust clouds. So I don't really even understand the, the explanation I like the song, though. You know that song, Aaron? I don't recognize it. Wow. But I gotta say... I don't hate it. Hmm. Well, we'll turn you around yet. <laughs> we'll make you a Starship Lover. <laughs> That's the name of my porno. Starship Lover. Starship it's Lover. Just me fucking a ship. Um, number you one. You could th- fuck some of the ships we've seen in yeah, this. You could up to yeah. up to now. I mean, I could fuck anything. Let's. We, if we'll, I want. we'll have a. We'll we'll start a segment where we we rate like. Can uh, you fuck it? Can you, <laughs> w- would you fuck this starship? I'm sure Rhett and Link would love that reference. Number one at the box office, the actual number one movie at this time was Stand By Me, as we talked about. Sure. So I picked the number one for two weeks in August of 86, the sci-fi horror film The Fly, starring Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. You guys seen this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's terrifying. I I never have. Really? Disturbs me. Yeah, it's Cronenberg. Yeah, it's... Um, Nope. If you were afraid there wasn't going to be enough body horror, like I said, it was directed by Cronenberg, um, who made several other classic sci-fi horror favorites of mine, Scanners, Videodrome, and Naked Lunch. Probably the weirdest one of Did those. he do They Live? No, that was... Mm. Uh, no, that was... Uh, uh, George Romero. Oh, I was way off. I've read Naked Lunch. That's a trip. Yeah, it's fucking strange. <laughs> it's really strange. There's like this... Uh, living typewriter. Ugh, yeah, it's really it's weird. just hallucinations and problems. <laughs> problems. Yeah. The Fly is a remake of the 1958 version of the movie with Vincent Price. I would put this up there with The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter is The Thing, and John Carpenter also made They Live. I apologize. That was John Carpenter. What a faux pas. I know. I'm going to get canceled by the horror community. <laughs> You're bad, and you should feel bad. Um, I would say that The Fly is probably in the vein of the thing for the best remake 
ever. Like, they're both superior to their originals. The tagline on the poster, and actually spoken in the movie, is where we get the phrase, be afraid, be very afraid. You guys know that phrase? Yeah. Looking at me with bacon ties. No, I do. If you've never seen it, do. But basically, Jeff Goldblum plays a scientist working on teleportation technology. He tests it on himself, and it seems to work, but there was a fly inside the pod with him. Oops. And the computer gets confused. Oops. (laughs) It's just the name of the movie is Oops. It pretty much should be. Uh, Gets confused and splices the two together on a molecular genetic level. At first, there's no obvious problems. In fact, uh, Goldblum begins to change, like getting stronger and faster. Uh, But his personality also begins to change, and eventually he degrades into an escalatingly gross fly hybrid creature. And it's great. (laughs) This film won the Academy Award for Best Makeup and spawned a sequel in 1989 with Eric Stoltz, which I actually do enjoy. It's not as good, but I like it. Uh, They look great. They both look great, and the effects totally hold up. Uh, Brundlefly, which is what Goldblum calls his mutated form because his last name is Brundle, uh, eventually loses his teeth and spits acid onto his food to dissolve it and suck it up like a fly. It's so gross. It is. And that vomit, was made from honey, eggs, and milk. Which also seems way grosser than anything I could have guessed. Like, Jeff Goldblum had that in his mouth. It's that's why he makes the big bucks. And that he, he, and you know what? If you're wanting to see some more Jeff Goldblum body than Jurassic Park, go watch The Fly. There's a lot of shirtless Goldblum. Hell of a torso. Yeah, he's a very attractive man. The film grossed $60.6 million on a five or $9 million budget, the largest commercial success of Cronenberg's career. And the design of the telepods was inspired by the engine cylinder of Cronenberg's classic Ducati 450 Desmo motorcycle, which you can see here. That basically inverted oh, yeah. is what the, the pods look like. Holy shit. Here's something I didn't realize. It was produced by Mel Brooks. Really? No shit. Yeah, but he kept that hush-hush because he was afraid that people would not take the film seriously. Good move. He actually produced a lot of very serious films with his production company that just weren't Mel Brooks films. Still alive. Mel Brooks still doing shit. Yeah, he's like 93 or something. He's, he's still doing stuff. R.I.P. Carl Reiner, one of his yeah, partners buddies. in contemporaries. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing, uh, or shout out to Serge Bamba, just like typing a tweet to correct you on the uh, John Carpenter mix-up. Like luckily, you, cor- luckily you corrected yourself yeah. before he was able to hit send in this world that I'm inventing. Actually, Shout out to Serge Bamba. Bad about it. What's up, Serge Bamba? Fun facts from this week in history. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> don't know why it went there. Uh, between 1985 and... Especially what we're going to be ready to talk about. Between 1985 and 1986, there were a series of bombings in Paris. Jesus, that's how you start this segment? Boing. Perpetrated by the Committee for Solidarity with Arab and Middle Eastern... Arab. Arab and Middle Eastern Political Prisoners, CSPPA, which is a stupidly long name. They were demanding the uh, freeing of several detained international terrorists. There were a lot of different nationalities between the members, but mainly it was sponsored by Hezbollah and Iran. There were 12 successful bombings, half of which were planted between the 4th and 17th of September in 1986. 20 people were killed and 255 were injured. And it fucking worked. 
In September of 86, the French government allegedly sent officials to Syria, concluding a, de- concluding a deal with the government in which the support of terrorism in France would cease in return for French weapons and economic and diplomatic support for Syria. A similar deal was reportedly made with Iran the next, the next year. <laughs> so terrorism worked. Uh, the UK and the US were not f- happy that France was like, all right, you got me. You got us. <laughs> you got us. That's not French. Oh, sacre bleu. You got us. <laughs> As a personal real world note, uh, you know, we've talked many times about my issues with loss of appetite and not being able to eat. It's going okay, I would say. And I can't remember who said it. I'm sorry, but one of our friends on social media suggested that I try, like, weed gummies or medical marijuana, which I have tried. But like every other time I've tried weed, I react very poorly to it. I think I just react poorly to THC, which apparently some people do. I have tried some CBD vape recently. And while it doesn't necessarily seem to help with uh, appetite, it does seem to help me and apparently other people with, like, anxiety. It doesn't get you high, but there's a tiny head change. Uh, for fans of Star Trek TNG, I would say that it's like the equivalent of real alcohol versus synthahol, where uh, you can't get drunk on synthahol and the effects are easily dismissible. Too bad Caleb wasn't in the room for that. I'm familiar with synthahol as a as a uh, narcotic or depressant in the... TNG universe. I wonder if you are. Is alcohol just illegal? No, they have alcohol, but like mostly they drink synthahol. Because like, synthahol, does it still give you some of the benefits? Yeah, it gives you, like I said, like CBD, mm-hmm. where see, it's like, like I said, there's the difference between weed and CBD. Like, I've never tried CBD. It gives you I have a, a little bit. A bit of a head change, but you don't get high. You just, I, I used to take it um, uh, before bed. And it was it helped you sleep. Yeah, and you were out of the room, Caleb. But I was saying that I've tried it, and it it doesn't help with my appetite necessarily because I I think I just react badly to THC. But it does seem to help me and like a lot of other people with anxiety. Yep. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It is a good. It's good for anxiety. I I'm pretty good with anxiety, except sometimes when I go to bed, I have a hard time shutting my brain off. Mm-hmm. And when I say shut my brain off, I don't mean like I'm not looking to like. Um, do any like hardcore sedatives, but CHB calms your brain down so that you're not, your mind isn't really racing so much. It's just that you're, it's a, your, your brain's more positive and it yeah. reduces your anxiety and you sleep, you go to sleep better. It's like a, um, hmm, I would say it's actually kind of like the effect is similar, but it's a reverse version of like Ritalin where it organizes your thoughts, but also it's not meth, so it doesn't make you awake. It kind of helps you relax. Yeah, it's like therapy in a bottle. And better living through chemistry. Uh, oh, like I've said, I, if I could just jumpstart my appetite in the morning, it usually makes things easier. Fruit is good, uh, and I've gotten some high-calorie protein stuff. And West and I recently were like just thinking about, I don't know why we pre-sweetened cereals came up, but I bought some... Uh, fruity pebbles and some Captain Crunch, and they're fucking delicious. You and Andy would get along. I I like very bland cereals. Grape nuts. I love grape nuts. <laughs> I love crackling oat bran. Shredded wheat. I love kicks. I love I love the large size shredded yeah. wheat. Where <laughs> yeah. you put like two in a bowl, mm-hmm. crack it up. Yep. Um, I crack love, it in. I love a cereal called Just Right. Um, <laughs> Is that a poop joke? 
and um, kind of. Um, but my but Andy brings home like this, like over. I was like, I'm trying to get the kids not to eat a lot of sugar, you know. But she comes home with like, for example, St. Patrick's Day was recent. Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms puts out a special uh, Lucky Charm where the the it's the marshmallows, but then the rest of the cereal part is chocolate. Holy fuck! So she brings. <laughs> that's the kind of shit she likes to bring home. I mean, it's delicious. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a baller cereal. I don't particularly not care a fan. For cinnamon. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Grape Nuts is where it's at, guys. I used to love grape nuts when I was a kid. I'd put sugar on it, though, but yeah. uh, you, I don't think you need it. You know what's good is to take right. Honey Nut Cheerios and put sugar on it. No, I, yeah. Yeah, granted, I did, when I was a kid, did put some sugar on the cereal, but some certain ones. Grape nuts. Kicks, I never would. Kicks. Shredded wheat, I put a little, I like honey on my shredded wheat. Honey's a good uh, sweeter, sure. sweeter to, to, sure. to cereal. Welcome to Cereal Talk, everyone. Yeah, this is a Breakfast Talk about corner. them grains. Um, but yeah, and also, I mean, again, it's pre-sweetened. There's a lot of sugar and it. it's not necessarily good for you, but it does have a lot of vitamins and then drinking it, like eating with whole milk helps me just get it like 400 calories in my body at a, t- at a shot. Excellent. That's the real world. You're looking filled out. Have you, how much have you gained? Like an application? Uh, nothing. Just haven't lost. There you I, go. I, I'm, a, I'm like 130 pounds. Stabilized. I can't gain weight. Like, I cannot consume enough calories to gain weight. It's not even seems po- – it doesn't even seem possible. We'll take well, care of that, Ryan. How do you – yeah, what are we going to do? We're going to – What are we going to do? take them to Burger King every day. Get them one of them BK broilers. We'll just keep ordering. We, can, we, we don't have to even have to be here. We'll just order Domino's Pizza to his house like two or three times a day. Why have you named two of the most disgusting restaurants? Domino's is gross. <laughs> I do not I like – I, I burn out on Domino's. it. I like – this is – I, I think it's a nostalgic thing. I like Pizza Hut thin crust better than Domino's. And that's not that's like saying I like Burger King more than McDonald's. I understand that. But <laughs> um, fine. Burger King is better than McDonald's. Eh. I know, but I'm I'm putting it on that kind of on that level. There are much better pizzas out there. There's like so many better pizzas. We out tried there. to order from Arby's on DoorDash a couple like a month ago, and about 10 minutes into the after I placed the order, <laughs> this was 7 p.m. on a weekday. They canceled the order, and Arby's was like, no, we're closed. And I'm like, what? That's the first time that's, that's ever weird. happened. And then I did a complaint about it. I left a comment like complaining about it on DoorDash. And like, they sent me an email that said it didn't meet their criteria. And I'm like, how? <laughs> how does it not meet when the store was like, You don't meet Turn the criteria the of a dissatisfied customer. It, it is like me in my <laughs> home it? when somebody comes over, like knocking on the door wanting to sell me new windows of like turning off the lights and pretending I'm not home. Was it DoorDash fault or Arby's fault? It was Arby's. You know, Arby's is really turned around. It's pretty good now. I feel like no one agrees with what you just said. <laughs> their euros, <laughs> their, their Greek euros are really good. I think in general, fast food has just become way worse than well, it, ever. Worse? I don't know if it's, about, if it's worse. Well, I don't know. If only we had somebody here that was like in the, in, in the fast food industry. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, script deviations. I have this Eye of the Beholder script that was unused. It's a Transformers premise by Carrie Bates and Greg Wiseman. I posted this uh, before on our Patreon. It is a spec script from uh, April 11th, 1986. It's very short, so I was just going to read. It sounds actually kind of interesting because it involves the Quintessons and stuff. 
After endless study of Transformer programming specifications, Quarto Quintesson, a young programmer, <laughs> that's like having the last name Ryan Human, <laughs> uh, has uh, designed a construct that has a 97% probability of starting a devastating war between the Decepticons and Autobots. The Quintessons send a few Sharkticons and one, to one of Saturn's moons. The Sharkticons drop off the construct in a retreat. Earth's sensors detect the Sharkticon intrusion. Rodimus Prime, Spike, Blur, and Bumblebee are in the vicinity on a diplomatic mission. They pause to investigate. After arriving on the moon, they discover the construct. <laughs> the construct is a small crystalline sculpture, quote-unquote, on a rotating stand. The sculpture looks like an oversized three-dimensional microchip, and as it turns, colored lights reflect through the crystals and soft music is played. And Spike says... Hey, it's like an old-fashioned music box. But it takes them a few seconds to realize that the Autobots are completely entranced by the beauty of what they perceive in the, quote-unquote, ultra-chip. Yada, yada, yada. Eventually, the Decepticons show up uh, and try to take it. And it's it's essentially like the, like the Cybertronians don't know what art is. Like, they're fighting over this piece, which is just art. There's no purpose to it. And then at the end... Cyclonus takes the Ultra Chip back to Char and gives it to Galvatron, who orders everyone to clear his chamber. When he's alone, the Mad Leader destroys the Ultra Chip. Or maybe he doesn't. And on Cybertron, Cup is talking to Rodimus about the Ultra Chip. Too bad the Decepticons got it. We got a raw deal. But Rodimus opens a door where we see Bumblebee playing with crystals, constructing his own personal artistic Ultra Chip, which Rodimus points out, they may have gotten the chip, but we got the inspiration. Huh. Weird. And that was to take the place of Five Faces of nope. Darkness? No, or? it was just a spec script before uh, <clears throat> like some, that was going to be somewhere in Season 3, and they decided not to uh, not to do it. That's an interesting concept. I, it's real weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actual script deviations. I'll just say that most of the problems I have with this episode uh, 100% have to do with the fact that Acom can't animate <laughs> and don't understand or care about what's actually in the script. So my main problem with the opening scene where Grimlock and Rodimus' laser blasts do nothing to the super weak Decepticons is Acom's fault, because in the show, the lasers just bounce off them, but in the script, there are way more Decepticons, and Prime and Grimlock do start mowing them down, and there are just too many, and they overwhelm them. Like that zombies. Work, that does work better. It's probably yeah hard to... Well, it just would have taken more resources to animate their bodies falling down. I don't And then new bodies emerging from behind. No, because it would, because all they did animate was Decepticons walking with their arms swinging In sync. on repeat. In sync, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody! I think they just didn't understand the assignment. Yeah, yeah. That's Parts, Street Boys, says, all right. That's a song. Parts go flying into the air, but the wave keeps moving. So, also, as they're swarmed in the melee attack, Grimlock says to Rodimus, Me Grimlock, thank you for an exciting life. To which Prime responds, Any time. <laughs> and I fucking love that. Like, I like that interaction. Again, oh. I like the interaction between uh, Rodimus and uh, Grimlock. Now, even though Rodimus would only have contributed to that exciting life for really this adventure. Yeah, not for very long. This one adventure. I mean, well, I kind of put it as he knew him as Hot Rod. Like, yeah, they we went don't on know a whole thing. Yeah. All right, Greg, flesh that one out. Uh, well, technically, they only cover up to the movie. So. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying. Oh, you're saying, saying uh, before. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. 
Well, I mean, in the movie, they go on an adventure. Okay, so I want to explain here that I think Flint Dilly is a good writer, and my issues with these episodes is the translation to screen. For example, here are some of the lines from which Rodimus goes into the Matrix. A world of swimming colors and kaleidoscopic images. Mathematics meets magic. Silicon meets ectoplasm. The mundane meets sublime. Computers do have souls, and these souls, like our own, contain their own heaven and hell. Or That's you could good. just do a terrible That's like, good. A bunch of letter or numbers flying out of the screen. <laughs> uh, Dilly describing Thrall. A giant red sun in the sky above it. The planet is like a skillet, its surface cooking and boiling in the indescribable heat. Think of the planet as kind of like a giant bowl of radioactive chili. <laughs> except there <laughs> except there isn't a sizzling blue mist over a bowl of chili. Health note, if there is, don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just just don't make it actually chilly. Yeah. <laughs> don't enter this into a contest. It's like a bowl of shredded wheat. In the pl- <laughs> if there's beans in it, it's not Texas chili. No. Nope. Yeah. Nothing ever bad happened in Tejas. Pulling Galvatron out of the goo, Flint's note is, Yowza, the boy looks awful. Before, he was just kind of mildly megalomaniac. Now he looks downright deranged. That's some fun alliteration that he put in there. This is not a temporary condition, by the way. He'll be this way for the rest of the season. Cool. That's a script. Deviations. I think they followed that. I think in some conversations I had with Greg, it is believed that he is cured after the Oh, the psychiatrist one? No. Oh. The hate plague. Once uh, that Matrix. happens, he kind of has his senses about him, and that's why he shakes hands and, and says, there will Isn't be no war today. Aren't those the last three episodes of the show, no. basically? Last oh, just don't ruin it. Last two of season three. All right. I thought Rebirth was three parts. Rebirth is season four. Okay. Got it. I I still don't know if this is rateable yet. Did we do next time on the last one? I no, and I don't have one for now. Great. I don't. I, do you guys think that we can rate this? The scheme? Yeah. There's, I don't think we know. There's a Quintesson no scheme, scheme a bubbling yet. about. Yeah. The Decepticons yet. are starting to reemerge as a presence, maybe. Yeah, we, we're, we're All right, we have to remain this. neutral. It's implied that yeah. uh, they believe the Cybertronians stole the, their planet, like Cybertron. Yes. So. And the Autobots that now control it would be their primary adversaries okay yeah. i think that sums it all up we don't we totally didn't touch base on the transformation cog nope it did situation. not show up in this episode uh, as far as an iconic moment so many planets exploded or just two thrall and quintessa perhaps oh, yeah. goodbye that's the iconic moment this yeah what do you got exploding? rodimus going into the matrix I guess that's better. Like it's the first time we see it, and we see it a time like later. They actually do pull that thread, and we see literally some of the same imagery. Um, I mean, the animation shit, but it makes Rodimus more interesting. I, I'd say leading up to Rodimus's acid trip, uh, Grimlock being like, "No," yeah, be a pretty good iconic moment. All right, let's yes. wrap it up. Okay, give. Kim. Next time on the Autopop Decepticast, we do episode three, Faces of <laughs> yeah. Darkness. If you'd like to support the show, please check out our Patreon page. Several levels of support, all kinds of benefits. That's the APDC promise. At Buy page- us a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
at patreon.com slash apoddcast or you can check out our where's the apdc store and buy it posters pins that's pretty much it do we have the new the new stuff's up there right yeah. new stuff is up there hell yeah Still if you're can't a booty box Australia, person i hope you, you guys are fine with that i've Greg has told me I need to do some more research into this. So that's a U.S. thing, not an Australia thing. Yeah. So we ship it somewhere to another place first that will then reroute it to Australia. That shouldn't add 100% of the cost that we're already spending to ship it. (laughs) Additionally, feel free to give us a review and some stars. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Engage with us socially at APODDCast, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And our show notes and other amazing follow-up materials are at autopoddeceptacast.com. Ryan, what are you going to be putting up this week? So I I got some new piercings. I'll put those up. Uh, I got a Prince Albert. And and then there's a butt plug with my my face on it. What? That's not a piercing? (laughs) No, no, this is true. No, it's it's a comma. And then uh, none of this is good. I, I, you always ask me this, like yep. I remembered anything I we it. talked about mm-hmm. in the show mm-hmm. until I edit it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. 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 That was a good episode. <laughs> Refreshing. is the sponsor of Autopod Decepticast. Yes, 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 yes.